we're live here at the station of decapitation without your head we've lost vince again but i'm sure he'll be joining us back uh, shortly uh the fine fellows here oh here he is he is back we will uh, add him back in here um, somehow my yes, he's lost in the dark signals than, uh, <laughs> than my worst wi-fi so we'll try that hey what's up all right very good all right, oh, so the five folks at Dark Signals, we got Justin Bernard Head. Yeah, I got the same number. Hello, hello. Hello. Er hello. Uh, I should have asked how to pronounce everyone's name. Ayrton, uh, why, don't you, why don't you introduce yourself, Ayrton? Well, uh, hey, everybody. Arden Carrasco, uh, one of the directors for Dark Signals, Episode 5, coming out this Sunday. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Bobby? Hello, I am Bobby Haragi, and I am the director of uh, If Shelly Arrives, and uh, yeah. And Vince <laughs> Nutt. How's it going? I'm Vince. I directed um, More Than Cases. Right. And so for people not aware yet, we shared a lot here in the Without Your Head. For people that listen for the first time, kid, uh, Justin, give them an idea of what Dark Signals is. Most definitely. So Dark Signals is an anthology horror web series. It's one we've been working on for the last three years, and it's basically about this hacker who patches into a streaming service and basically takes over all the content on this streaming service and starts replacing every single show on there with uh, that we see on each episode with horror movies and the horror movies basically are the episodes themselves the stories that we see and uh they're basically meant to be like these uh b horror movies that are akin to like an old b movie uh marathon that you would have caught on like cable tv late night somewhere let's go around how did everyone get uh get involved uh, were you all friends of justin beforehand start with arton uh, yeah, actually, uh, I went to college with uh, Justin over at the Art Institute in Orange County. Uh, we had actually previously done uh, three films uh, before this one, uh, not counting like school projects and things like that. So um, it was uh, it was just kind of a moment of like Justin's looking for directors, and uh, he asked me if I would be interested, and I said yeah, and I had this one and he was like that's not horror enough and so we changed it a little bit and uh you know basically just put zombies into the mix and it worked out really great cool uh bobby how did you get involved well i know justin for quite some time uh we took some classes together at uh saddleback uh community college uh where we learned a lot and worked on a lot and uh over the years we just been in and out of each other's projects and you know, he told me about this idea, and I was just like, you know, I had really been doing a lot of fictional stuff. I did some music videos, and when he said that, you know, I was like, oh, cool. This is a great opportunity to actually get back into the, the fictional world, the storytelling world, you know, and I was pretty stoked. You know, I had a couple ideas, ran them by him, and, uh, you know, we just kind of settled on this one, and we were just like, yeah, I, I know start, start to finish. How is it going to look? It's going to be pretty short, but I think it's going to be good. It's going to be fun, so... Yeah, that's pretty much where we went from there. And how about yourself, Vince? I went to college with uh, Justin as well and Arton. Um, they were a little ahead of me, but we, we all went to the Art Institute together. 
And then a couple years ago, Justin hit us up, hey, looking for directors to make a, a horror anthology, and I, I was in from the start. I'd been working on a lot of things, but hadn't got to work on my own project in a long time, so it was a good, good excuse to get something made. So uh, Artin brought up that, uh, you know, he he had a story and Justin was like, oh, it should be a little more horror. So I was wondering, like, uh, how much input, Justin, did you have on each person's story and what kind of guidelines were there? Uh, so aside from uh, the little note about Arden's, I did almost have a moment with Bobby where I did try to get him to squeeze in a little more of a supernatural thing into his episode. But after, like, thinking about it, was like we were right about right to going to see a movie actually uh quiet place part two and i told him that and it was after the movie that i started to mull over what he pitched me for his story and i came back as we were driving back and i was like you know what do the story as you pitched it we'll go from there it's a good story so let's let's do that and with vince's i don't think i ever had any kind of um any notes for him on that i was uh sold from the start from uh and i mean his he can get to get into this on a at a later point during this podcast, but uh, his script started out as slightly different from what ended up on on the screen or in the final uh, project itself. But in either case, I was down for both scripts uh, that he uh, both versions of the script that he pitched. And but in all honesty, the the final version that ended up on YouTube and also at the Free to Cinema when we screened it uh, is the best one for sure. But as far as like input, I didn't have too much input on anyone else's aside from what I told Art and what I told Bobby's. And as far as guidelines, it was just they should be between 10 to 15 minutes. They should most definitely be dark in tone. And they have to feel like um, uh, not only like their own movies, which I definitely wanted for sure. I also wanted them to feel like uh, B-horror movies, basically. So... That was those are the basic guidelines I gave to um, everybody. Otherwise, they had free reign to do whatever they wanted creatively, stylistically, and such. And especially that was a big part of the show was having each one have their own identity and be different, so that it was like Doctor Midnight just plucking these movies from every which way and just putting them on this uh, streaming service. Yeah, and so that would, the the idea always was uh, anthology to be a series like on uh, you know, streaming online and you know not like a, a movie. Uh, yes, it it was that from the beginning, with the um, with starting it on YouTube, seeing if we could basically get it to get some attention on YouTube uh, as it goes along, and then maybe see if we can either sell it to streaming service at some point in the future, and but especially. Get, try to get a season two out of it as well. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, were all of you at the screening? Yep. Yeah. Well, so what was that experience like? We'll go around with everyone, you know, to uh, watch it with an audience. Because when you're first, you're making it uh, to stream on YouTube, maybe you're not aware it's ever going to, you know, uh, be on the big screen with people, you know, live people there in attendance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Who do you want to start with? <laughs> we'll start with Art. We'll, we'll go in alphabetical order. So, uh, alphabetical <laughs> order. So, Art and Bobby, then we'll go with Vince. Sure. Um, so, I mean, the it, it's it's always the best experience, like, as a film, like, director to just have your movie, like, play up on the big screen. Because, uh, obviously, it's not an opportunity that uh, we get very often. So, um, 
you know, just very grateful that we have this uh, connection with the Frida Cinema uh, to start. But it, it was awesome because like all of us had gotten together at some point in the filming process. Uh, maybe we were in post by this point, but we we had gone to a little meeting at Denny's restaurant and uh, we actually ended up talking and like I thought I was plagued with all these problems in my film and that I had the hardest thing to complete. And then everybody else had their own individual like stories of the horror that happened on their own sets and with their own footage. And so, you know, it was awesome to kind of like go from that point to kind of shared pain and then through that trauma bonding, see where we ended up with the film being uh, completed and shown on the big screen. And I was very happy for, for all of us, honestly. Uh, Bobby, what can you add to that? What was your personal yeah, experience? I mean, it was honestly, it was probably so far, the year's not over, but it was the highlight of my year. It was pretty amazing. Fantastic. You know, the, the idea of all of us getting together, our garden set at Denny's, we all, you know, I hadn't actually hadn't met Vince and Arden, you know, we were just, I only, you know, knew they were working on the project and, you know, we got together and we talked and we just, you know, bonded over all our mutual, like Arden said, <laughs> that, you know, horrible experiences. But, you know, once we were there in a theater and, you know, it's funny because me and me, Justin and Vince went to the theater like the week before to just, to, you know, to check, if, you know, you know how, how it's going to look and all that, how it's going to sound. And, you know, that was the moment where we're like, wow, this is it. Like, we're going to see this in the theater with, you know, a bunch of people. And, you know, a week later, you know, we had our, our premiere and then I had the, the attendance was actually a little more, you know, better than we thought. And it was such a, this is a great feeling of all of us being there collectively hearing people react to the different moments in our film. So, yes, it was definitely a, a really, really great experience. I recommend it. <laughs> Very cool. Vince? Yeah, I mean, they, they both, all of us nailed it on the head. Uh, it, a surreal experience and you know i thought it was just going to be a small crowd of friends and family and then turning out we sold out almost half the theater like uh, just under by like three feet uh was kind of crazy uh and then just everybody coming up to you after after seeing it up on the big screen and saying how much they loved it it, it felt great it, like they said a lot of hard hardships on on this project and Maybe we're always happy with uh, with what was happening. So that was a cool experience. Uh, who comes up with kind of like the fake openings of each episode? You know, it's kind of like uh, it's like you're you're tuning into something and you know then it cuts out into something else. That's the J man. <laughs> were they were they each one like done specifically like to match the episode in some way and like and part of a theme or? Uh, yes, yes, they were. Um, like the Hornelius, the unicorn one that plays during the first episode, Day of the Cannibal, came from a note that I had sent some of the episodes to an old screenwriting teacher of mine, uh, who's been a big supporter of mine, and I'd say even some of ours to uh, a certain extent uh, to this day. And um, one of the big things that he gave me as a note for when I was going to do the fake show idea was whatever we put up there before the actual episode should be so drastically different stylistically and tonally uh, that it, that it clashes, but also makes it funnier with what we're seeing here and then what we're seeing here. And so with that, you have Hornelius Unicorn playing before this glory uh, day of the cannibal. And then you have Entitled Rich People playing before 
Vince's, which I also had him shoot since his would ultimately uh, end up being a bunch of women stuck in a cabin. And then you have, uh, of course, Haunted Hotel that you were, <laughs> you had your cameo in, which worked perfectly for the Supernatural episode of um, Jennifer Sin. And then Bobby is the one who actually, he's one of the few that actually did come up with his own episode uh, at my suggestion. And I think mostly what I told, I forget how we came about with uh, Business Boys, but I do know there was some discussion between one of us that it should be something like The Office because there's a running gag of for years people only ever watched The Office on Netflix. Yeah, I I remember uh, I I originally planned to have like a, the, the characters watching a show in it and you know Justin was like this is great because you know we can watch you know we can watch we can be watching the show that is the you know before the you know, it's, it's the one streaming. So that that was a great. I thought like this is gonna be great. We can work into this, and yeah, it, it worked out super cool. I I love, you know, the uh, the actors that came together for Business Boys. We had a really good time shooting it, and uh, but yeah, totally, totally meshed super well. And yeah. Now, Art, and I have to admit, I've not seen your episode yet because it it premieres Sunday. But can you give people an idea of what Antidote is about? You know, obviously, without spoiling too much, since you know they're uh, you know twenty-minute episodes or so. Yeah, absolutely, Neil. Um, so I mentioned it was coming out this Sunday. That's October twenty-second at seven p.m. For anyone who might be watching right. this. Right. So if this is a, if this is, if you're listening past that, you can go and you watch it right now. Right. Absolutely. And um, so the intro for the antidote is actually like a zombie reality show. And it's just super comical. And these zombies are like sitting on a bench, like in the park and just kind of like on their phones. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, social media, like people just kind of like scrolling and taking selfies. And the that's, you know, yeah, just say that's really because uh, Romero zombie uh, Dawn of the Dead is about people being zombies at the mall. And if you yeah. would take that in a modern day, I think that's a, that's totally fitting uh, people on their cell phone. <laughs> yeah, or you might even take it a little step uh, up with another George Romero film like Day of the Dead, where the zombies actually figure out how to use guns and things. It gets really weird. But it's kind of like that little realm. And then um, it, it's juxtaposed by the film The Antidote, which is about... Um, oof, sorry, I lost my train of thought. The, the Antidote <laughs> is about... Um, to basically special forces units um, that are particularly deal with uh, zombie like outbreaks and virus outbreaks, uh, very much inspired by like you know Resident Evil characters like uh, Chris Redfield. If you guys ever played any of those games, and um, basically they are at their wits' end. The villain has won. The villain has infected the two heroes with the zombie virus, and he's left them abandoned in the desert with only one antidote. Kind of challenging them to, you know, to pick one and keep going. Interesting. Well, I'm really looking forward to that. So this Sunday, and if you if you're listening past uh, October 22nd, you can just go and watch it right now. Same thing and with Bobby the episode can... that airs on 29th. Oh, sorry, I was just saying same thing with the no, episode that airs on the 29th. <laughs> exactly. Which episode uh, comes out the 29th? Uh, inanimate. The very last one, season finale. Mm-hmm. And that one, uh, that one is by you, Justin, I believe. 
Yes, uh, yes, it is. And uh, so, uh, and you already said. No, I was going to say you already said though that you would like to do a season two. So, uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, do you think that will happen? Uh, I think it's very possible. I mean, I think we all had, uh, in spite of the horror stories that we have, you know, with the show. I think we'd also have a much. Uh, we'd have fun doing it again, basically. Yeah. I'd love to do a second. And, and it, it uh, doing independent projects like this, and Justin coming uh, to independent like filmmakers like this, it gives us like purpose, man. Because you know, at the end of the day, nobody's out there looking for for directors to go direct things, you know, other other than like big studios that are looking for guaranteed, you know, money from big directors. Uh, uh, Bobby, something I noticed about yours is not only it's cool gore and stuff, but I like the sound effects, which I always think sometimes people miss with the gore, and that really puts it over the top. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I, sound. I mean, every time me and Justin get together and we talk about film, I, I almost always bring up sound, and I bring up all these references, like, oh, this movie they did this, and you know the audience screened it and they didn't notice, and then they did the sound effect. So sound has always been. An important thing for me and, and being on sets i know that sometimes sound is, is neglected that's something i learned yeah and it can add so much it almost like makes things look better in some way it makes your brain think it looks better sometimes and so yes i'm that's I'm glad you noticed the sound we did work yeah. pretty dang hard on that on the uh you know i think everybody worked hard on their sound but i remember you know speaking for myself we had some you know rough experiences trying to get it to sound the way we wanted the sound, to have the, the effects that we wanted to. So, yeah, yeah it, um, because I was at a festival over the weekend in Brooklyn, and um, I won't say the name of the short because I really liked it, but I I told my friend Annabelle that they uh, they had no sound actually in in the uh, like the violence and the and people getting hacked and stuff, and that and I was like that really actually took away from it because it almost feels it makes it feel almost kind of fake like because you don't kind of it's almost like CG in a way where you don't feel the weight there and there was right. no sound and it, it, you know, you couldn't, it, it didn't feel like there was actual impact. Yes, totally. You had certain base levels to certain parts and yeah, totally. I mean, it's about feeling it and yeah, like I said, somehow it, it, it affects the way you see it, you know, You're like, oh, okay, now I see it. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. also always curious, uh, where, how, how do you go about finding like a, a sound for like something squishy or something. Is it like a pre-made sound or do you go and like fill, uh, like record yourself doing something? It's a mix of both. I don't know if you guys can also, yeah, yeah. We, I, we, so I don't know with me and my sound guy, we try to find sounds that will work, but we've noticed, I, you know, in my experience that like, you're just, you're not always going to get the sound perfectly. So you gotta do some, some, you know, fully work yourself. That, and honestly, it's almost always, I would say the fully stuff is, better than the stuff you're going to find just because it's so designed however definitely i would say you know the template starting with that is like you find the good sound effects and you kind of work from there but i i definitely would recommend mixing both of them that's that that works really well <laughs> uh vince mm -hmm. i see you shaking your head there uh what are your thoughts on uh, on sound <laughs> yeah no totally sound is my kryptonite that you know i work really hard at it uh i definitely spent maybe like two weeks just on sound design for mine um usually my first go-to is typing in royalty free squishy on <laughs> <laughs> <what> comes up. 
uh, and if I can't find it there, um, I have a few other avenues I always look through. I'm, I'm subscribed to a couple filmmaking assets things, so I can usually find what I need. And if I don't, go straight to just recording it myself, uh, which doesn't happen often, but it, it will if needs be. <laughs> Uh, I have to say, uh, I really like the name of your production company, Nuthouse uh, Films. Or, uh, <laughs> they, uh, Nuthouse Productions. Friend. Yeah, yeah Nuthouse Productions, you. yeah. But yeah, that, I like Nuthouse. It's, uh, it works. And I, I saw it before I saw your last name was Nut, and I was like, oh, now it even makes sense. But. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, how... Go on, sorry, sorry. Uh, just something I want to throw out there, Neil. Yeah. Um, unrelated to the question of like making a squishy sound, um, <laughs> but just kind of related to everybody's work on their films and the sound. Um, I want to just give a kudos to Vince and Justin because they did do their own like sound. And then uh, Bobby and I actually were fortunate enough to this time of making a film. We, we both teamed up with separate uh, audio guys. And uh, it was funny because both of us found out that um, we worked with audio guys who made music. So we had the same process of, kind of teaching them how to do movie sound and reeling them in from their, you know, like mastering audio, like music world. And uh, it, it was kind of a cool experience, but uh, definitely don't miss uh, doing my own sound. That's a lot of work. So I got to give props to, to my guy, <laughs> Justin and Vince, because they, uh, yeah. they they did a lot of extra work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, uh, Justin said yours. Your idea originally wasn't a horror enough for, for Justin. Are you a horror guy? Are you uh, into horror movies? Or? Uh, honestly, um, I I guess like in some in some cases I am. Like I'm a huge zombie film fan. Like when I was younger, I really got into like zombie movies. It was all thanks to uh, Twenty Eight Days Later from uh, you know the early thousands that uh, director Danny Boyle made. And uh, after that, I kind of got into like a little binge of like horror movies. And I've seen, you know, um, Peter Jackson's Brain Dead. And I love that one. I've seen, um, you know, The Walking Dead, love The Last of Us currently, you know, like anything in that kind of survival horror genre, uh, including video games, you know. But uh, honestly, not like a huge like horror film, like knowledgeable kind of like a like horror fanatic like that. Um, Justin's my go-to guy when I have questions about the obscure. For that. Yeah. I would recommend a new movie. Um, it's just playing festivals now. It's a herd and it's similar to 28 days later where it's maybe more infected and about the, about the people surviving and interacting. But, uh, so check that out when it's available. Anyway. Is that like an international movie? Uh, yeah, it was, it's a United, it's a U.S. movie. American movie. Okay. Yeah. I love when uh when the Koreans do like oh, movies and like they yeah. did train to be San and that was yeah, a good that's awesome. That's, that's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. And uh what's interesting about Train to Busan is like uh so there's like no guns in the movie and we're used to like they have to shoot people in the head. So uh it's like they're figuring out how to we're not I think in, in America we're used to every movie everyone's having guns. And so it's it's interesting to watch like how they're gonna figure this out without you know having the use of, of guns. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. They use like baseball bats from the like baseball club guys. They they do a bunch of things, and I never paid attention to the fact that there's no like classic headshot. <laughs> right, right. I would also recommend the sadness, which is a it's much more graphic uh, movie. Mm. So if you're not uh, if you're not 
If you don't watch as much horror as Justin, maybe it's, it might be a little too graphic for you. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't handle Terrifier 2, you, maybe you might not be able to handle anything. Else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bobby, how about yourself? Are you a horror guy? Uh, I would say I am, yes. However, I definitely got arrived late to the horror game. I think, um, I don't think I really started to appreciate horror movies until I was about 24, 25. And before that, you know, I kind of, my, my family kind of was like anti-horror movie, you know, like grew up in the 80s and whatever, this, that, religious stuff, satanic panic, and the video, I remember seeing the video cassette cases, and they terrified me, and I, my parents were like, yes, that's right, I should terrify you. you know? <laughs> but, you know, once I started working on movies, um, I worked on a horror movie, and I remember I had the, the epiphany. I was I saw a severed limb, right? I'm like, you know, the makeup girl working on it. Good and name, I was boy. talking casually to her, and I was just like, wow, okay, now I get it. It's like Halloween. This is fun. This is awesome. So I think that, and then, like, it coincided with uh, Shaun of the Dead. I saw Shaun of the Dead, and I was like, this is an incredible movie. It's hilarious, and it's an actual horror movie. And I think that was kind of it, and I just started to explore horror. I'm not a huge you know, aficionado, but... Definitely a lot a bigger fan than I, than I was growing up. And I definitely helped, you know, obviously meeting with Justin and being friends yeah, with him yeah. helped that as you well. You probably can't hang out with Justin and not, like, some horror movies. Exactly. Horror <laughs> cinema. Great cinema. You know? yeah, absolutely. We, we ended up watching a bunch of uh, Bobby and I. We meet, we met the most during, yeah, somewhat pre-production, definitely a lot more during post for sure. And we would almost always try to watch a horror movie, specifically anthology horror movies. We were trying to always watch something like that just to keep us going, whether it was a show or a movie. So there's definitely been a lot of meetings like that before this show and during and after. Yeah. <laughs> what were some of the anthologies you had everyone watch? Uh, well, I guess it was more just between... Uh, oh, just you and Bobby, Bobby but yeah. Bobby and I, but it was uh, stuff like Cat's Eye and Tales from the Hood, watching episodes of like The Twilight Zone and uh, even showing him an episode of Creepshow the series, uh, specifically the one with uh, uh, the Evil Dead uh, episode that takes place in the TV station in season two. And uh, I feel like there's there's one I'm missing. Oh, Beyond Belief, Facts or Fiction was a big okay. one that I wanted to show him one episode of at least. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, Vince, are you a horror man? I am. Um, I did get into horror a little late as well maybe not into my 20s but definitely teenage years i was a little more shadowed and you're a child and can't watch these things so it kind of started off as like a thrill thing and then now I, it's just like I, it's a comfort thing i slowly <laughs> grew grew into the horror genre but definitely don't listen to or watch as much as justin does it, it's hard to keep up with, with that man but like Artin said if there's any horror questions or recommendations he's the first guy I go to yeah. uh, Justin was there any what's a, the order of the episodes is there like uh, is, what's the thought process there to have like Day of the Cannibal as the first episode uh, Day of the Cannibal it was just a case of trying to figure out what would be essentially the pilot episode of the show and so I knew that for that it would probably be a good place for myself as the person who came up with the concept and brought all these guys on board to set the template for everything. And so Day of the Cannibal just came about as that idea that I was like, what am I going to do for the first episode? And so 
it especially came about with that whole episode came about with the COVID restrictions because we were shooting it when COVID was really hard, hardcore. You know, the restrictions were really hardcore still. And so there was a lot of just thinking of things to do and also having a location in mind, like the one we used today, the Cannibal, which was just the backyard of a uh, uh, apartment complex. And so a lot of that was just thinking about different resources that I had, people I could contact that were nearby, uh, or even some people from farther away that were that would be willing to come out and do this shoot, but also keep it within, you know, 10 people or less. And so that's what kind of led me to do uh, Day of the Cannibal. And then from there, figuring out where everyone else was going to fit as far as their episodes came about more from either looking at the scripts or seeing the episodes finishing up and then just kind of figuring out, like, this feels like a good a good second episode to kind of move move things into uh, the rest of the season. And then um, Bobby and I both kind of switched on and off between who was going to be third episode and who was going to be fourth uh, quite a few times. Uh, and then Arden and, again, myself, both kind of naturally just fit into uh, five and six uh, as far as Arden's being the fifth episode. And then uh, it was decided that my third episode would be the uh, season finale. Though, admittedly, I wasn't ever intending to do more than one episode until I found... When I started this, it wasn't just Bobby, Vincent, Arden. There was also a couple other directors that were interested in doing episodes that I wanted to work on the show, but they had other... They were willing to do it. They were interested in doing it, but other projects came to mind, and so they chose to focus on those projects, and so I found myself in the spot of, I got to fill the catalog, so let's come up with two more episodes to fill the catalog, but obviously didn't treat it as that, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, watching a lot of your films, uh, Justin, you always have strong, you know, female leads, uh, our mutual friend, Trista is in several of your things and in Jennifer's, uh, sin. And, uh, how about, uh, Lexi for day of the cannibal, uh, very strong character. Uh, she's great in it. And so, um, had you worked with her before? Uh, she actually had a brief, part in uh queen of the dead okay. she's labeled as a day of the dead mask in the credits and like if you look in um queen of the dead it's this one skeleton who gets a or one, skeleton, <laughs> one cult member who gets a close-up and it has this uh, mask with very day of the dead-esque uh, patterns and she says this line uh when talking about this character from the book that trista wrote about uh it says i felt his hand on my shoulder uh, and that's that's Lexi. So that was the first time I worked with her, and I decided also because at the time I thought Trista was solely working um, in the Union, and we right, worked through right. the Union uh, on Queen of the Dead, so I was like, I don't want to work through the Union on this one because I don't have the money. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then another actress that I would have contacted, uh, Aubrey uh, Nestor, now Aubrey Sanders, who is in Inanimate, actually, at the time, she was living in uh, Cathedral City. So I was like, well, and she also wasn't seeing anybody at the time uh, during COVID, uh, certain restrictions for herself uh, health-wise. So I was like, I can't contact her. And so I thought to myself, you know, I want to see what Lexi can do. I feel like she can, she could probably pull something like this off. I feel like her look is right for this character and what I want. So... Let's give her a chance. Let's do this uh, episode with her and see what she can do. And yeah, I was really 
happy with what she pulled off with it, you know, and um, she does have some like great reaction, reactionary moments and stuff like that. And, you know, it was fun kind of figuring out this character as we went along. Cause in the script, the script was just two pages long. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that we got a 10, 12 minutes short out of that is uh, pretty amazing. Uh, but we had a lot of material to work with that we shot on set, of course. Yeah, and it looked, that's a great, great look to it. Uh, art and um, antidote. Uh, can you talk about casting an antidote? Because I've not seen it. But uh, <laughs> you... so uh, before the antidote was kind of translated into a horror uh, concept, I'd been talking with uh, Hana Safar. Uh, Han, as he prefers to be called, is. Um, he, he's been on a couple of films uh, that I've shot before, uh, one of them being a movie called Carol's Watch, directed by my buddy Victor Marks, who ended up being the, uh, the director of photography for this film, The Antidote. And he was also one of the first kills in I Laugh on the Outside, one of Justin Head's films. And so oh, yeah. like, I'd seen him a couple of times and I liked him, you know, and I was like, you know, I could see him doing a lot of like these kind of like roles and uh, I shared the script with them like, oh man, this was too many years ago, maybe like four years ago now. And um, he was like, I'm on board. He's like, let me know what's going to happen. And then, you know, nothing happened for a year and then COVID happened. And then Justin starts hitting us up for, for things. And I was like, well, if I adapt the script, I bet I'm still on board. And luckily he was. And so um, he was on on board and you know he, he like as soon as i turned it to zombie script he was like oh this reads better he's like this, this reads better now. I'm like all right good and then um the co the um the uh one of the co-stars of the film a guy named matt mezen he is the villain i actually just like knew him from work and like he's just a super artsy guy um and he was just kind of like you know, like, hey, like, I'm interested in your movies. I would show him my movies and stuff. And then he's like, man, he's like, would you ever, like, you know, if you ever have, like, a side role or something, let me know. And I'd love to love to be part of it. And I was like, sure. And so he ended up being the villain. And then um, Shelly de Cristofaro, she ended up being um, one of the leads as well. She is someone whom I worked with in uh, one of my early, early films. Uh, from uh, college, and Shelly was so good in that one. It's a film called Into the Unknown. You could find it on YouTube. Um, she played just like a side character, but she was so good. I remember like, you know, she worked really well with like direction. And so like she did one character she brought and then like we adjusted and she adjusted like well, and then like we fine tuned it and then she fine tuned it herself. And next thing I know, you know, what I got from her was really great. And I kept going like, man, I'd love to have her in a movie again. I'd love to have her in a movie again. And the, the opportunity never presented itself. So then on this film, I was like, you know, I'd love to have her. There's a one big issue, and that's that uh, she lives in Jersey, uh, you know, way out in the East Coast. And yeah. so me and Justin. I was just there. Yeah. <laughs> or Justin and I, we, we talked about it. And we're like, dude, she is good. Like, we're willing to fly her out if she's down for it. So I sent her the script. She loved it. She said, I don't know if I can. And then we were just kind of like sitting with bated breath, you know, and then uh, she said, I'll do it. And then me and Justin just kind of like forked over halves on the airplane oh, ticket cool. and we flew her out. Yeah, I picked her up at the airport. <laughs> Which, funny little side story. The day of, that. right? The day of your first 
for a shoot date? Day exactly. <laughs> not not just the day of, literally a few hours before the shoot, because <laughs> I picked her up at LAX, at she got in like at midnight, or somewhere around there. No, it was I'm sorry, it was like almost one a.m. when I finally got her out of the airport. And as we're driving, two a.m. passes, but then it immediately turns into three a.m. because daylight savings time happened as we were driving. <laughs> over to Arden's area in Palm Springs. <laughs> so, and then we finally got into Palm Springs at 4 a.m. So, and we had to start shooting like at 9 a.m. No, I think even 8 a.m. So, it yeah, was it was, um, and a lot of us were not sleeping that night. The, the bigger, the higher up crew, myself as a producer, Arden as director, Victor Marks as our DP, we hardly slept that, that morning leading into later that morning for the shoot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Bobby, about casting your film? And by the way, also, uh, Shelly's makeup is very cool. Oh, yeah, thanks. That was sort of, the makeup was sort of inspired by, uh, I believe, uh, Planet Terror, the poster. Okay, yeah. For, uh, yeah, one of the characters. And Yeah, so, yeah, thanks. Um, casting. So, uh, we were going to have, I was going to have uh, my friend, who, uh, she's a musician, and, uh, you know, they are a bunch of music videos, and I thought, you know, I have experience with her, so I'll have her do it. But something came up, and so me and Justin ended up, ended up like, doing, like, a casting call on, what, what was the, was it LA Casting, Justin? It was LA Casting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we put up a casting call, and, uh, but, so, um, Robin, the, the girl who plays Shelly, uh, you said... Justin, if I remember correctly, she had auditioned for another project of yours? Uh, she had, and she didn't get the part. So I was like, can I keep your contact information in case a future project comes up? And then, and I remember especially LA Casting, we heard from nobody. So I sent, I asked, I asked you if you were okay with it. I, I asked her if she wanted to read the script, and then she did. And, well, then she sent the audition to uh, us. <laughs> yeah, we saw the audition, and... Uh... It was great. I mean, she was able to cry, you know, so I was like, cool, like, this is great. So, yeah, it was, you know, the audition went good. We met her. Her name was Robin Stevenson, and, you know, and, uh, yeah, it worked out great. That was the only real one that was, like, a casting casting. Um, the other characters, uh, Victor, uh, the the other, the, the, one of the, uh, I don't know, I don't want to spoil too much, but yeah, yeah. one of the characters in it, one of yeah, the yeah. male character, and there's another female character. The, both of them, uh, one was friends, uh, Adriana's friends with Justin. Victor's a sound guy on my thing. He was the guy who did, I mean, he, it was, he did so much. He put up, he put in so much effort on this project. Like, he did the sound, and he was also nice. helping out. Yeah, he was, when we were shooting, he even showed up on the days he wasn't even in it, like, to help with the lighting. So, but yeah, so that's that, that's the other casting that I did. But, but yeah, so that's that was my casting process. It was, it was great, fun. <laughs> yeah. And uh, how about yourself, Vince? Because your primary two uh, leads, uh, I don't want to give too much away the movie, but uh, you, I think physically you expect uh, them to be, you know, uh, mixed, mixed, you know, by the end of that. Yeah, um, I got very lucky that they're two very close friends of mine. Um, the tall one, Stevie, the character's name is. Uh, she actually helped me co-write it. Uh, so she was a co-writer on it, and then she acted in it. Uh, Ayla, I had met through another group of friends. I used to do a lot of comedy work on YouTube. So we, all three of us, kind of worked together in a, in a wider comedy aspect. And 
I let them know that like, hey, guy I went to college with, uh, he wants to do an anthology series. Uh, would you guys be interested? And they were both on before even seeing the script. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll let you know when, when things start happening. And uh, when they did, they jumped on board through both iterations too. So as Justin was saying, uh, I had a different vision uh, that didn't end up working out. So they, they were gladly coming from one project to another. And then the the protagonist, the woman who owned the Airbnb in the film, she signed on literally like two, three days before the project because our original villain was actually going to be Aubrey, uh, Aubrey Sanders from Justin and Animate. But scheduling just didn't work out uh, last minute, so I had to find someone on the fly. And Ayla, who plays Riley, the shorter one, she, God bless her soul, found someone at the final final minute, and they just rehearsed. I, I had all three of them drive up to the location we shot up in Big Bear, so I had them all, all drive together to kind of get... Well, Ayla and Jess already had, like, a good good friend relationship because they're, they're also friends. So it, it just helped, and we're able to get it down. And then uh, the gentleman in the beginning is Ayla's boyfriend. So it was very easy to get everything contained. Everything yeah. kind of just fell into place. And I also like that uh, you have a lot of the uh, you during the credits. You know, the movie keeps going, and, and I think that I always like that in movie, especially nowadays, because uh, so often on other streaming sites they they uh, make it so it's impossible to even watch the credits. Like you know, they just cut them off or yeah. fly through. Yeah, the, that idea originally wasn't there. I just had like the opening montage as the idea and then i think i was watching zack snyder's uh dawn of the dead and then as in the credits in that it shows like sound footage clips. Yeah. I'm like, oh that'd be I, I should do a montage at the end too of of them doing stuff and then the the last actual three shots of the film were leftover shots from the very first time we shot so if you look very carefully easter egg uh they both look completely different than the movie. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so it, it was easy to show like oh passage of time they're, yeah they're out within their life now so yeah. and uh justin obviously uh trista robinson and jennifer sin uh she always is amazing and so did you write that specifically for her uh it's interesting to because I couldn't get a handle on, so like the the other two characters, I was able to just write, no problem. With Jennifer, I, again, at the time, I did not know that Trista was working with and without the union, like basically able to go between uh, both of them, non-union and union. So, but I wanted someone in mind, even though I wasn't going to cast her. So I wrote Jennifer with Trista, just as a visual to give give me an idea of what to look for in someone for that part. And so I, and the movie has a lot of references to a lot of movies for sure, but like everything I've done, Italian horror movies. And so there was a lot I actually pulled from Lucio Fulci movies, specifically City of the Living Dead and House by the Cemetery. And so when I was doing casting on LA Casting, there was this one actress named uh, Lisa Starrett who ended up getting the part not just because of her audition which was pretty great but also because visually she reminded she reminded me of the little girl in 
house by the cemetery. Uh, and so for a while, we actually had that actress and uh, my other two actors, uh, Scott Feinblatt, who's a good friend of mine, and an actress that I've been meaning to work with for years, Michelle uh, Moravig. And so we uh, we rehearsed for several months. Uh, we were getting ready to shoot it in like July of 2022. We had a location and everything. And then something came up with uh, my DP. My director of photography had this job at a summer camp that he was going to be able to take a break from in July and come stay in L.A. and shoot with us that weekend. But he ended up being stuck in that camp because of a COVID outbreak. And so that made us put it to where we had to push the project to a later date. Almost everybody was on board except for Lisa because she was a, a student at the time. And um, she did not know what her schedule was going to be like with school once it started back up in September. So uh, she basically had to back out of the role. And so that's when I was talking to Trista about it. And she told me about her ability to go between union and non-union. And that's when I offered her the role that she was, was ultimately written with her in mind without her being in it. Yeah. And she accepted so it was a bit of a journey to get there, and yeah, no, I'm glad, I'm glad it worked out though. And and the, and the guy at at the beginning there does the the cameo. Um, how annoying was it that uh, that he was so late getting you his footage? <laughs> oh, I was uh, I was cursing his name uh, every day, and I hope uh, uh, and I hope to never work with him. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh man, but no. In all fairness, though, uh, it was worth the wait, Neil. You did a phenomenal job with your uh, with your cameo, Thanks. and I mean, the yeah, fact absolutely. that <laughs> thank you. Like I remember showing these guys the stills and even some of the uh, the raw footage before it had been cut together, and they could immediately see the possibilities of what we could do with it or what I could do with it, especially. And uh, no, it was. Uh, it was this, I just want to add a little bit for people who've watched that episode or are going to watch that episode. So um, my brother works at a at a school. And so I went there to, I was like, oh, because it was when school was out, um, film it um, in the library. And I thought, oh, no problem. That's great. I didn't realize that the school is like kindergarten through the fifth grade. So the library was all these little little children's books. So I had to move literally all the, all the books that were not little kids' books to one little section of the library. Uh, to try to fill it with some stuff that wasn't like uh, would have been very out of place and strange, but so. uh, I, don't, so, I think that, that would have made it so much funnier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have actually yeah. taking himself too oh. seriously. Yeah. Yeah. That actually, now you, you mentioned that the, that would have been good if him talking like, yeah, he's got a big ego and it's like uh, Horton hears a who or something. <laughs> but but I, I, I love that story because Neil, it's like. You literally had a production day where it was supposed to be easy for you. You were going to school, exactly, to exactly. and you still had to go and set dress and take time <laughs> and, all this and then shoot yourself. Yeah, and then I had to put it all back, too, because I couldn't leave it. Uh, I had to make sure all the books were in the same spot. And that's so. the stuff we run into when filming, you know? It's, just, yeah. it's never that easy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Art, by the way, uh, um, do you have other shorts and other projects people can uh, check out? Uh, yeah, so um, uh, I have 
uh, other than The Antidote, which will release uh, Sunday, yeah. October 22nd, I have um, a film, Strangers in the Night Bus, um, that's on YouTube. Um, you can also find my film, Forgotten Country, on YouTube and Into the Unknown as well. Um, those you could find if you just, um, if you go on my Instagram, actually, or even my Facebook, uh, you can find my Facebook with like the name uh, Arden Carrasco. Um, or you can find me on Instagram by just typing R-T-I-N, and you'll find the one that says Art and Carrasco. I have Linktree links that has right. like links to the, the films yeah. and my website and all that. So if anybody wants to check those out, I would love it. Um, yeah. yeah, I would like to check out, like to check out your other work. I like to check out everyone's work. Uh, Bobby, how about yourself? Well, let's see. Uh, I got, I think the things right now that I'm, besides this, that I'm most proud of, uh, yeah, of course. a few music videos that I did for, uh, for uh, my friend Plasmic, she's by a great, great artist. Look her up. I, I love her music, like synth pop. And you know, she basically let me do pretty much anything I wanted in, within the video, and we're pretty proud of it. So uh, yeah, I got those up there uh, on YouTube. Uh, if you look up Plasmic, also uh, my production company that I go through when I do any anything, it's Persona Productions. I got all my other stuff there too. So if you look up Persona Pro, Persona Pro Video on Instagram. Uh, that should take you to everything, and uh, yeah, all the you know my music videos that I did for Plasmic, they should be up there as well. And again, if you just look up Plasmic, and you'll see uh, these videos I did for uh, the two videos I did for her were called uh, let's see, Hunter uh, Hunter RX, about like uh, songs about medication and the way we deal with medication these days. And uh, the other one is uh, oh gosh, it's not coming to me right now, but I'll think of it. Think of it. Um, but yeah, both of them, two music videos I'm very proud of, and hopefully we'll keep going, more projects, you know, over and over again, as three years go up, you know, as the years come by, and we want to do season two and beyond, so yeah. Yeah. And how about uh, Mr. Nuthouse here, Vince? Yes, um, you can actually see from my very first short to, besides this short, you can see pretty much everything I've made on my YouTube channel. Uh, Nuthouse Cinema, N-U-T-T-H-O-U-S-E Cinema. Um, you can see a lot of my personal projects on there. And then if you go to, um, it's not an active channel anymore, but if you go to In Pursuit of Nothing, uh, that's the YouTube comedy group I used to work with. And pretty much everything in their last two and a half year catalog, I, I shot and uh, edited a couple of a lot of those are, are my, my work as well. Uh, how about yourself, Justin? I, most people are familiar in the Without Your Head universe here, but where can people you know, check out your other... And are you working on anything... Uh, well, of course we want people to check out Dark Signals, but are you working on anything in the future? Oh, for sure. So, I mean, there's uh, the YouTube channel, which I believe last I checked is now... I guess YouTube does, like, YouTube at. So right, you yeah, like, yeah. YouTube, which, I mean, that makes it easier to find. So I guess it would be YouTube uh, at uh, Slasher Films. Uh, and then there's also my uh, website, slasher-films.flix.com slash horror. That's another place to uh, check them out. Or I, feel, I probably mentioned this in a previous video, but, yeah, just hit me up on Facebook or uh, Instagram, and I can always send you a link, uh, no problem. And then as far as uh, other projects go, it's – it's just, uh, at this moment, aside from premiering the last two episodes that are coming out, it's also 
getting ready for uh, season two. And so there is helping a, a friend of mine with who wants to do an episode to get his episode uh, written in November, as well as writing an episode that I want to do. And also kind of talking to everybody else here in this group about uh, what we want to do with season two. And if there's anything we want to do differently, keep the same or just how we want to uh, tackle it this time, uh, next time around. Yeah. Well, I've really enjoyed these and not just because, you know, you guys are all here. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, they're really cool. And I like that they're all different. And uh, I like the setup to all of them. It's fun. And because um, we don't have a lot of anthologies anymore. A lot of like, you know, TV stuff's like one long, you know, story that you have to, you can't, you have to just keep watching them. You can't just like watch one episode because you have no idea what's happening. Mm -hmm. But I like stuff where, you know, where you can just watch an episode, you know. Uh, so the first four are up there, and then the antidote from Arton is premiering this weekend, and then the final episode of season one uh, the week after that, and then hopefully, and not hopefully, we'll see uh, season two. Can, can I plug one more spot? You can see my work that I forgot about. My yeah. Instagram, uh, I post stuff about my my films and what that uh, whatnot. Uh, but that's also where I post a lot of my photography stuff. Oh, cool. uh, you can find that at Nuthouse Media. All right, very good. I'll check all this out, and uh, I'll try to put everyone's links in the uh, in the description. Most well, definitely, most definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really uh, I appreciate you guys all coming on. I really dug Dark Signals, and I hope people check it out. And it's always good talking to Justin, and it's good to meeting everyone uh, new here for me. Nice meeting you as well. Thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah, we'll really do it again sometime. Most definitely, we shall. Yeah. No, thanks for having us on, Neil. Uh, this was a great pleasure, as always. Yeah. All right, we'll talk to you guys soon. We're going to play us out with the music of the month, which is Motel Transylvania. And uh, we'll talk to everyone soon. Cool. Catch you later. Bye, everybody.